Hello everyone, welcome to the Pop That Mama podcast. Today I'm joined by Rachel Webb, who is with us to share her positive feedback story. This is the first feedback story I've had on the podcast, so I'm really, really excited to hear her story. Enjoy listening. Hi Rachel, great to have you on. Congratulations, Hello. firstly, I can't believe your baby is 10 days old and you're already uh, ready to share your story, but that's incredible because I know the memory is going to be super vivid and crisp, but over to you to say hi and introduce yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm Rachel and I'm here today to talk about my positive VBAC experience. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, VBAC stands for a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, so I'm going to talk about my experience with my son, Ted, who was yeah born 10 days ago. Um, and I wanted to share my story because I found listening to positive birth stories on podcasts like this one, and especially positive VBAC stories, was so important and influential when I was preparing for Ted's birth. So I hope that my story will come in useful to someone out there. Thank you so much. Oh, brilliant. And I know that you actually did uh, the same hypnobirthing course as I did with Claire from Tooton. So we look forward to hearing all about your prep. But um, yeah, really happy for you to just share your story wherever, start wherever, you know, share it how, in whatever way you prefer. OK, great. So I thought um, I'd say a little bit about my first birth, which was three and a half years ago with my daughter, Clementine. Um, so the first birth actually turned out to be quite heavily medicalized um, because my waters broke early and I didn't go into sort of labor in that my contractions didn't start. So after 24 hours, I went into hospital to be induced. And unfortunately, the kind of quality of care that I experienced at the hospital at that time, it wasn't very good. Um, there was kind of no con continuity of care. I wasn't really informed about my choices um, I was sort of told you have to come in to be induced and that was the end of it and I didn't at the time I didn't really think to question it um, I was put on a shared ward and sort of just left there really after I was induced and I was on that on that ward for 12 hours when I was in you know I was quite far advanced in my labor and I think that with inductions, generally they tend to, for first time mums, take a kind of minimum of 24 hours. But my labour actually progressed really, really quickly after I was induced. Um, and I kind of went, you know, from kind of naught to 100 very, very quickly. And I was finding it quite difficult to manage the, the surges, but we found it really hard to kind of get anyone's attention really we didn't really have a designated midwife um and I think that because I was a first time mum they were kind of like oh yeah yeah you know she's going to be there for a while but you know actually my labour was progressing quite quickly and it, we just felt quite dismissed and yeah it was hard to hard to get anyone to listen to us really um so it wasn't it wasn't a very positive experience um, and after that 12 hours of labour, um, oh, and also I wasn't spoken to about any kind of pain relief, so I didn't really understand what my options were at that point. But after about 12 hours, we were taken off to the delivery room um, where they realised that the baby was an undiagnosed breach um, and I was taken off for emergency C-section. So, yes, it was all quite 
stressful and yeah just lots of interventions um very medicalized we weren't allowed um or sort of you know so we felt at the time we weren't really allowed to do things that we wanted like the delayed cord clamping um the baby was taken away for oxygen as soon as they took her out um but we weren't really told what was happening obviously I couldn't see anything I didn't know what's going on um that was you know it was just really stressful and quite scary and it sort of left me with really like a birth trauma um that impacted everything after that I was a very anxious kind of parent I felt that my baby wasn't safe unless she was with me um and you know I went back to work after nine months and that was incredibly difficult um and I you know experienced some postnatal depression around that time because leaving her was just really really difficult so there was a lot to work through from that first birth so when I got pregnant with my son back in June 2021 I was determined to just have a completely different experience and rewrite my story with my experience of birth. But I think it is also important to say that though I did prepare for my first birth in a way at the time that I thought was completely adequate, we did NCT classes, we did NHS classes at the hospital, um, an active birth workshop. What I now realise is that I did all of the physical prep and absolutely no emotional or mental prep, which I actually think is much more important. Um, and I also handed over the responsibility of my birth to the hospital and kind of assumed that the best decisions would be made for me, which unfortunately didn't really work out that time. I hadn't done any research into medical interventions like induction or C-sections because I just assumed that I wouldn't need one. So I had absolutely no understanding of my choices around, around them. Fast forward to 2021. I knew that the birth that I wanted was... A VBAC. I really wanted to try for a vaginal delivery. I wanted it to be as unmedicalized as possible and I wanted to be in the birth center and I really wanted a water birth because I had researched, I'd researched VBACs and kind of heard that one of the most successful ways that you can, or one of the most, the ways in which you can have the most successful VBAC is by having a water birth. I knew some friends who had done hypnobirthing the first time round, but we hadn't done it obviously with Clementine. So that was the first place that I started. We took a short hypnobirthing course. We didn't do the full, the full kind of course, which also includes lots of um, antenatal information, um, just because we'd already sort of done that the first time around with the NCT. But we did a very short private hypnobirthing class, which was just four hours, but it really kind of set us up with a lot of the tools that we used throughout the pregnancy and the birth as well. We did so much research. I basically dedicated my entire pregnancy to researching, informing myself and just trying to set myself up for a positive experience, really. So the biggest risk with a VBAC is that there is a risk of rupture to your scar, but the risk is very, very small. It's only 0.2%. And actually what I didn't realise was that you can actually rupture um, even if you haven't had a cesarean before. It's slightly less. I think it's 0.1% or you know, maybe a bit less than that, but the risk is still there. But no one really kind of talks about that. We changed hospitals, so we we're a new hospital this time. But And the, the, actually the hospital seemed been absolutely brilliant but they with VBACs you know they are very kind of um 
anxious and we were spoken to a lot about the risk of rupture Uh, and I think it's really interesting the way that the language is used around that risk because 0.2% is you know if if you kind of flip it the other way around and if someone says to you right there's a 98.8% chance that you will not have a scar rupture you're going to think I'm going to take those odds that is a good percentage um, but as soon as, you know, someone says, well, you know, there is a risk and there is a risk and it kind of worms its way into your brain, regardless of how small the percentage is. So we did a lot of research into it and the research allowed me to make informed decisions. And what we sort of learned on the hypnobirthing course and, you know, the way to remain calm and um, in control and all the breathing techniques and and everything that I'll speak about in a moment really hypnobirthing helped me to feel confident in making those decisions so even when kind of emotional or coercive language was being used by the hospital to try and get me to commit to a more monitored medicalized setting for my birth um, I was able to feel confident in my decisions to sort of politely decline um, to decline those things that I didn't want In terms of the birth plan um, with Ted, so the hospital was very keen on us being on the labour ward with continuous fetal monitoring where you are kind of strapped, strapped in and strapped to a machine, which is measuring, continuously measuring the baby's heart rate. They wanted to insert a cannula as soon as we got to the hospital. They would recommend induction uh, or C-section at 40 plus 10 so yeah, 40 weeks plus 10 days. And also it would be consultant led. So there'd be lots of lots of folks kind of around popping in and out. It would just be quite a medicalized setting, which is really the opposite of what I wanted. So I wanted to be on the birth center. I wanted a water birth. I wanted Doppler monitoring, which is when midwives monitor you every 15 minutes with a handheld monitor. Um, I really didn't want a cannula um, just because... For me, that is, you know, it's quite a medicalized thing. And also it kind of limits your movement and it's just a bit uncomfortable. I was definitely going to say no to an induction this time. And and really, I just wanted to be in the care of the midwives with minimal interruption. I just wanted it to be me and my husband and, you know, the, the midwife team. And in terms of the cannula, it was quite an interesting one because we, the consultant midwife at the hospital that I was at was very, very, Um, pushy about the cannula and she kind of made out that that was the most important the importance that the most important thing that we could possibly do was have the cannula fitted and she kind of used quite um emotional language by saying you know if anything happens we it's gonna be really difficult to um get you blood quickly or you know get you the the help that you need quickly if you don't have a cannula fitted but I just felt strongly about it. So I actually spoke to two other midwives at the hospital and both of them said, it's really not a problem to not have a cannula. You know, if you need to have, if if there's an emergency, there's an emergency, we'll be able to get you blood and, you know, anything really quickly. So, um, so it's, it's really not that big a deal. So I think, I think the message there is just to, if you feel strongly about something or you feel like you want to question something, then really get a second opinion from other people at the hospital or, or, you know, from other birth workers. The issue for me with the labour ward is that, you know, and I completely understand why people 
uh, you know, feel comfortable on the labour ward. And obviously the labour ward is an absolutely necessary place um, for some people to give birth in. But the issue for me was that it is a much more medicalised environment, which creates opportunity a lot more easily for intervention. And I was so keen to avoid the kind of cascade of intervention that I experienced the first time around. And I felt that the birth centre wasn't just about having a nice room with a pool. It was it's the approach itself to the birth. Obviously, there's a lot less access to things like strong pain relief um, and yeah, just less interruption. But in the end, we actually compromised with the hospital. And, you know, I was happy with that. In the end, we agreed to be on the labour ward because they had a special VBAC room with a pool and they agreed to everything that I wanted, which was, you know, the Doppler monitoring, no cannula. And we agreed with the midwife team that we would be midwife led. But if any doctors kind of wanted to pop in and see us, then they would sort of go through the midwives. So so that was our plan. Um, and I felt very happy about that. So the ways in which I prepared for the birth were, um, obviously, I've mentioned the hypnobirthing. I, with the hypnobirthing, we got some affirmations as MP3s. So I did a lot of kind of audio prep and also visual. So I stuck up post-it notes around my room, kind of with a lot of the hypnobirthing affirmations. I listened to them all the time um, it's actually really nice not to have to listen to them anymore because we got so sick of listening to them after a while there was a really nice relaxing one that we would listen to every day before going to bed um, I listened to a lot of positive birth stories um, and a lot of podcasts about about birth in general um, but yeah the positive birth stories were such a massive help um, I read books so I would really recommend Your Baby Your Birth by Holly de Cruz and I read a really cool other one called Give Birth Like a Feminist. Um, I did lots of meditation and kind of visualization so you know part of hypnobirthing is to not only to visualize your birth like the birth that you want and kind of familiarize yourself with with yeah how you see it happening but it's also to kind of create um, a visualization of a place that you find really calming kind of like your mind palace so you can you can go to that place and it gets easier and easier for you to go to that place just to kind of help you feel calm and the idea is that when you are in labor you can kind of go to this lovely calm place which for me was um, on the beach in Crete which is where my husband and I went on our honeymoon um, and another thing and I think actually maybe this was the most influential thing I did was I flooded my Instagram feed with um, birth workers, doulas, midwives, um, people who shared positive birth videos. So anytime I opened my Instagram for like a, a five minute scroll through, I was just absolutely saturated in positive birth content you know, affirmations, videos, just little snippets of information. And I would really, really recommend doing that to anyone to do that. Um, you know, some great people that I followed were Kemi Johnson, um, the Sacred Doula, Badass Mother Bertha. They share just amazing 
videos of um, kind of really up close and personal of babies being born in a really positive kind of relaxed way. Um, birth uprising, you know, I think the resources that are on Instagram are just amazing. Um, and I was really just trying to reframe my idea of what birth could look like um, and just kind of become familiar with all the different scenarios that I could. Um, my husband also did loads of prep. I think that was a really important part of, you know, our journey as well. He did he did so much research. He was kind of captain research. He read books on how to be a good birth partner. Um, he also listened to podcasts. He listened to your, pod um, your podcast, Poppy, a lot. Um, positive birth stories. We went over and over our birth preferences so that he was completely confident in advocating for me um, because, you know, he wanted to undo the feeling of helplessness that he had had the first time around. And he, you know, equally wanted a positive birth experience with, you know, with our second kiddo. So, so yeah, on to the actual birth. So I went on maternity leave and kind of spent the first week just really banking my oxytocin. So just loads of nice walks, I had about 100 baths a day, drank loads of hot chocolate, watched loads of Queer Eye. It was amazing. Um, and I actually went for a session of acupuncture, which I hadn't tried before, but I'd heard it was quite good. Um, I've heard acupuncture and reflexology can be really nice kind of in the run up to your, um, your kind of due time. Um, as a sort of natural induction method so I thought I'd just give it a go um, so I went and did that one day and then the next day we all tested positive for COVID <laughs> we oh, all got COVID no. yes oh, so no. that was like the biggest curveball um, that could have possibly happened um, but it was yeah it was it was a roller coaster but Actually, um, yeah, it was a roller coaster because I suddenly found myself doing sort of full time childcare. Because obviously, my my daughter, um, who is a toddler, couldn't go to her nursery, um, so I found myself doing kind of full time childcare with a housebound three year old when I was forty weeks pregnant, um, which was not how I had planned on spending my maternity leave. But I also noticed around that time that. I felt that the hypnobirthing had really was really helping me to stay calm when our plan was in complete disarray. So one of the affirmations that um, we used a lot was that I used a lot was I take control of what I can and let go of what I can't. And, you know, there was for, for a day or so, it was really stressful because obviously with my daughter having COVID, the plan if I went into labor was to send her to my parents, but we didn't want to send her to my parents if she was COVID positive. Um, and also we'd been given some misinformation by the hospital uh, where one of the members of staff had told us that if Hugh had tested, if Hugh tested positive for COVID and I went into labour, he wouldn't be allowed into the hospital. So that was, you know, that was quite a scary thought to, you know, think about after doing all this prep and, um, yeah after doing all this prep and all this work it was suddenly like oh you know there's a possibility that I might have to actually just do this by myself um but yeah I think that as I said hypnobirthing really kind of helped to keep me grounded I think I was at a crossroads where I could have sort of spun out and just you know been really stressed and kind of panicky about it but um 
you know, I found myself just coming back to that sort of affirmation, you know, I, I take control of what I can. And I sort of realized, you know, I can't, I can't control when this baby's going to come. Um, he might turn up, you know, tomorrow, or he might be a good boy and stay where he is until we're out of isolation. Um, but, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. So there's no point in stressing about it. All I can do is continue to control what I can, which is to like continue feeling calm, continue trying to bank that, you know, I, um, oxytocin, just relax as much as I can. So luckily he stayed where he was. <laughs> so he must have been getting totally mixed messages, um, obviously, because I had the acupuncture for induction one day. And then the next day I was kind of like, no, stay there. Don't come out. Don't come out. Um, but yeah, the first day we were allowed out of isolation, I went and had a lovely day out with my daughter. It was like beautiful sunshine, went to the park. Um, and, you know, on reflection, I think that my body just knew at that point that we were kind of good to go. Like, okay, the stress, stressor has kind of disappeared and we're good to go now because I started having contractions on that day. Um, just a couple kind of, you know, really, really spaced out kind of once every six hours or something like that. I also lost my mucus plug, which is very exciting because I hadn't, hadn't seen that the first time around. Um, and I had been having, you know, back pain for just a couple of days, kind of that dull sort of back pain. So I really felt things were, you know, starting to starting to heat up a bit. Um, also that day, I happened to have a hospital appointment, just, you know, one of those kind of checks. And, and that was a Friday. And they said to me, um, yeah, we really think that, you know, because of the, the previous C-section, we would really recommend that you be either induced or you have another c-section on tuesday and i was like that's very soon <laughs> you know so they advised me to come in on the monday just to kind of talk through my options and blah blah blah, blah. and i think that again hypnobirthing really helped me to stay calm in that moment because i think there was a time when i probably would have really felt the pressure of suddenly being on this clock you know like it was friday oh my god I've only got two days now until I have to go into the hospital and potentially have a C-section. So, um, but I, I actually just felt very calm and in control because I knew I had choices. I knew that I could politely decline having any kind of intervention if I didn't want to. And so that night, Friday night, I, after I went to bed, I started having more regular contractions from about 2am. Um, I was able to sleep through them. Um, so I kind of thought, okay, I'll see if I can just get through it until the morning or see what happens. Cause I didn't want to wake my daughter up and sort of pack her off in the middle of the night if, if I didn't need to. Um, and I felt that they were coming quite regularly, but they stopped in the morning. As soon as my daughter woke up, um, they completely stopped. Um, and I think that's probably something to do with, yeah, oxytocin doesn't really like um, going into a cold kitchen and making ready break at six in the morning. Um, so we kind of just decided to press on with our day as normal. So because the contractions had tailed off and they'd kind of been like quite sporadic over the last 12 hours or 24 hours, um, we didn't really feel like anything was going to happen really, really soon. So I decided to take my daughter to the library and my husband went to a spa, <laughs> which 
<laughs> he's going to kill me for saying, but um, basically because it was the it was the, a couple of days before Valentine's Day, I'd booked him in to go for a massage um, as like a Valentine's Day present. Obviously, not knowing that I was going to sort of start going into labour at that point. Um, but he said to me afterwards, like, please don't tell people that I was in a spa while you were in labour. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was pretty funny. But um, uh, yeah, so we kind of just continue with our day as normal. But as soon as, yeah, I took my daughter to the library. And as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, this is, I don't want to be here. It was really busy. And it was like my whole body was just like, I don't want to be around people. I just want to be at home. You know, I kind of want to be safe and nesting. Um, and I started getting, you know, some surges on the way home when I was walking, walking home with my daughter. So I just kind of took myself to bed at about two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, my husband was hanging out with Clementine. So just took myself to bed, had like lovely low lighting, had my hit my birthing playlist on with you know some really nice relaxing music and my surges started ramping up um but I was just breathing through them and lying in bed a couple of hours later I told my husband right I think you know we need to get my parents around to um collect Clemmy because I felt it was time for us both to be together and focus on the labour and as soon as she left which is you know kind of around half four and my husband was with me things picked up really quite quickly I stayed in bed for as as long as I could because I felt like it was quite important to try and just kind of rest and and breathe through the surges as much as I could and then I changed to um, sort of being in child's pose to rest and then and then onto hands and knees during a surge as they kind of ramped up in intensity Um, and over the next couple of hours the ways I managed was the various positions that you know standing up kind of leaning all my weight into my hands um, against the wall swaying sitting on my birth ball and kind of rocking and just breathing 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 at one point I decided I wanted to get into the bath so I tried that and I tried leaning over the side of the bath with um, Hugh kind of pouring water over my back which felt amazing but it really seemed to make the surges tail off very quickly so after about five minutes of that I got out which was really hard to do I was so reluctant to get out um and on reflection I think that I really needed that little pause because as soon as I got out of the bath my surges really changed and completely escalated um I moved down to our front room and was on kind of hands and knees and really started using my voice to get through the surges and kind of swaying. Um, I wasn't able to continue breathing through the surges at that point at all. So I was kind of off in my own world. So I felt like at that point I, I sort of lost the hypnobirthing at that point because, yeah, the breathing kind of went out the window. I was just off in my own zone. But I did I did keep coming back to um to something that I think maybe Poppy you might have said in in a previous episode which is this pain is not bigger than me because it is me and yeah. I kept kind of just hearing that somewhere in the sort of recesses of my mind um and it really helped to to keep me grounded I think um and also I, re- I quickly realised I just couldn't get off my hands and knees. I was like, I do not know how we are going to get into the hospital or, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do anything because I can't physically get off my hands and knees. I was just sort of stuck in that position. Um, but 
the problem, as I saw it, and as Hugh saw it, was that the contractions still weren't anywhere near 60 seconds long, and they were still very irregular. So we had been, it really been hammered into us from the beginning, like you have to have three and 10. If you don't have three and 10 and you come into hospital, we're going to send you home. Has to be three and 10. They have to be 60 seconds long. Um, But I was, my surgeons were sort of coming, like I would have three in a row, back to back, and then I'd have a break and one wouldn't come for a while. And then I'd have another one that would last like two minutes. And, you know, for us, I think we were just really, our rational brains were still clinging on to this idea of like, it has to be three in 10, even though I knew, you know, I knew that I was really actually quite far along in my labour. And But at that point, I said to Hugh, I want to go into hospital. And he tried to dissuade me because um, I guess that's what we'd kind of rehearsed, you know, we'd rehearsed like, going to stay at home for as long as we possibly can. And he sort of gently tried to encourage me to just hang on for another 10 minutes and, and then we would kind of reconsider. And we sort of discussed it afterwards at the time um, because my body, I think at that point, my body knew it was it was time to go into hospital. It was, you know, it was game time or show time rather. Um, but we were still completely being influenced by, I guess, the procedure that the that the hospital had, had said to us. But... You know, I, I made it through one more surge and I said, like, no, I, I need to go. You know, I need to go into the hospital. Um, but what I didn't say, I just said to Hugh, no, I need to go into hospital now. And the sort of part of the sentence I didn't say was like, and I want a fucking epidural. Um, because I had actually started getting the urge to push. And I realised now that that was like me going through the transition. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? I can redo that a bit. If you, want. you are totally allowed to swear don't you worry <laughs> okay. e- everyone's allowed to say get me the fucking epidural on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. okay cool um so yes so and I had I realized that I was in that transition point because you know that was the point when I was like I can't do it I can't you know take any more of this I, I'm gonna need some pain relief and and even though deep down I knew that I was at the transition point my brain still kept saying, you're not having three and 10 contractions, you know, they're going to send you home if you go into hospital. But no, anyway, I kind of over overrode that. And I said, no, we absolutely have to go in. So he went off to get our bags. I think it's important to note that I didn't tell you at this point that I was getting the urge to push. And I think it was because, because we were still at home and you know, we still had to get through the car journey and get to the hospital. I sort of felt like if I don't say it out loud, maybe it won't really be real. And I was getting the edge of the push. And actually, it just felt at that point, it kind of just felt like I needed a poo. So I somehow got off my hands and knees. I went to sit on the toilet and I felt down between my legs and I felt what I thought was the head just like right there between my legs which luckily it wasn't because it exploded as soon as I touched it. And so it was actually my waters um, that just like went pop and um, yeah, but it was like right there. And I, again, sort of started panicking, I think at that point, because I realised just how far along things actually were and we were still at home. Um, But Hugh was brilliant. And I think he could just tell that I was at that crossroads of kind of, either going into panic mode um yeah just 
you know, you're kind of on that brink where you can go either way. Um, and he just said to me, you know, it's okay. Everything's fine. This is completely normal. Um, and I think that was like just the most perfect thing that he could have said, because you know, I think maybe, you know, more about this than me, Poppy, but the transition point is like, you know, that's our bodies and our brains kind of looking around and saying, okay, it's showtime. Am I safe? Or is there like a lion that's going to come and eat my baby? Um, and, you know, actually just hearing your partner say, everything's fine. Every, you know, you are safe. Everything's okay. It's, it's kind of all you need to hear at that point. But I do think as well that I think it's really important to kind of acknowledge that there might be points in your labor that do feel really scary. And actually that's completely normal because birth is this huge, intense experience. And it's completely normal for us as humans to feel kind of scared and overwhelmed by things that are intense and unknown. And there's a difference between sort of acknowledging and normalizing those feelings and and actually fearing labor and birth because obviously we usually fear something when we fear something it's because we link it with danger um but i think it's really important to try and disassociate the idea of childbirth from fear and danger which is you know the message that we've been fed by media and or you know maybe um those ideas have kind of been cemented by negative experiences that we've had but it doesn't have to be like that Anyway, so somehow we got ourselves into the car. Um, I had my eye mask on, my headphones on. I was sort of on all fours in the back and just completely in my own world, just trying to use all my energy not to push, which was quite overwhelming by that point. Again, I hadn't mentioned it to you, but I popped on my hypnobirthing relaxation track. And even though I was completely off in, in another world, really, I do think that it worked to, as a sort of anchor on a subconscious level to get me through that car journey. And we made it to the hospital, which was really luckily it was only 10 minutes away. Um, and we got ourselves into triage. And, you know, the ladies in triage took one look at me, heard the noise that I was making and said, is she pushing? And he was like, no, no, she's not pushing. Um, and I just kind of screamed at the top of my voice, I need to push! Um, so they bundled me really quickly into the birth centre because actually it turned out that the this room in the labour ward with the pool that um, we kind of agreed to actually wasn't available. So they just took me straight into the birth centre, which was great. Um, they asked if they could examine me, which and I declined that. So they just took me straight into the birth centre. Um, I got up onto the bed on all fours, and I remember the midwife was saying to me, the head is right there and kind of encouraging me to reach down and feel him. Mm. And, and he was, he was just there and she was brilliant. And she was just saying in my ear, just go with your body, just go with the contractions. And I gave one push and his head was out. And then with the next push, his whole body came flying out and that was it. Oh um, my God. And they wrote in my notes, labor time, five minutes. <laughs> No way. So, yeah. <laughs> so and I didn't get the water birth of my dreams, but I did the whole thing without any intervention or pain relief and in the birth center. And it was incredible. Oh, my gosh. And how did you feel at this point when you met your baby? You know what? I just I was completely shell shocked, I think, yeah. because yeah. that whole kind of last hour or so was just so fast. 
Um, and I just didn't expect it to be that fast. I was just shell-shocked. I was shaking, you know, so much adrenaline. Um, but even at that time, I felt completely in control of everything. And the whole of the, the hospital, hospital team was so receptive and respectful of my wishes. Um, you know, as soon as he was born, I, was, I asked for the lights to be dimmed. Um, I just picked him up and put him on my chest straight away. Um, I had a good look at the placenta. Um, and another really lovely thing that I hadn't even considered um, was that I cut the cord. The midwife asked me if I wanted to cut the cord. And I was like, yes, that's, you know, that's amazing. So, wow. so yeah, it was, wow. it was just such a positive empowering experience and oh. you know one that I found really healing after yeah. the first the first time well that's what I was going to ask next you know you you spoke about the kind of feelings that stayed with you after your first birth and you know how it mm-hmm. affected you mentally and the postpartum and what I want to know now is like what kind of feelings did you bring home after this birth and how has it impacted you mm. so what I've really noticed is I just feel so calm you know after that initial kind of shell shock and the adrenaline after that it all kind of died down I just felt so calm um just with my baby I was so happy that you know he was safe and I was safe and I'd had this really empowering experience and you know I think that with with any kind of trauma um it's not necessarily you can't heal it but obviously you just learn um it it becomes familiar and it kind of becomes comfortable and you can do things that can um yeah just to help like act as a balm I think on on some of those traumas and I think that my birth with Ted um absolutely did that for the trauma that I had experienced with Clementine um with Clementine's birth and yeah, just my feelings since then have just been just so calm and so balanced. And I felt like I've just, yeah, kind of gone, just gone back to normal, um, which, you know, in reflection, when I think about how I was in the days and hours and, and whatever, the time after Clemmy was born, I was just, it was wild, you know, I was so just out of it and I think because I'd had so many drugs as well because of the c-section it just like really so imbalanced but this time I just feel just really really calm and yeah balanced which is amazing yeah even even in your voice as I asked you and you just started to explain how calm you felt I just I could hear the change in in your voice actually and and because this is so fresh I mean it happened what 10 days ago so Mm you've really kind of taken us on a on a real sort of vivid journey I feel I really yeah thank you so much um what what I wanted to to sort of ask is is how has the experience that did it affect your your bonding the two different types of birth so actually what I found really interesting was that with Clemmy even though it was so heavily medicalized um and sometimes I know that that can impact the way that you bond with a bit, your baby um, and, you know, can impact all sorts of things like breastfeeding as well. Um, with her, as soon as they kind of gave her back to me and put her put her on me, um, I just felt this absolutely incredible, overwhelming kind of surge of oxytocin. You know, I got that really primal feeling. Um, 
absolutely just fell completely in love with her immediately, kind of overwhelmingly so. Um, And and I was really lucky, I think, to have that experience because I know that, yeah, um, sometimes when you've had a lot of intervention, that doesn't really happen. Um, And with Ted, I was expecting because, again, I'd read that, you know, having a vaginal delivery, it could really help with that immediate bonding um that immediate kind of rush of oxytocin so that's I was kind of expecting to be on that same high when I had him um and actually it was interesting because I didn't feel that sort of wild wild kind of um yeah uh, oxytocin rush or um that kind of wild primal feeling immediately but as I said what I did feel was like just really calm and you know obviously I I fell in love with him and um you know we bonded and but it was just in such a such a kind of calm and balanced way um so yeah it was really really different that is so interesting because I I feel the same when I gave birth to Juniper I had a, a natural birth and you know a positive and empowering birth but exactly how you described it I felt totally shocked almost like Mm. did I just do that what just came out of me trembling Mm. you know shaking oh my god like I wasn't quite ready to fall in love in that moment so it's really Mm. interesting that you say that because I think that flips the the perception that you know you need to have this amazing vaginal birth to have a brilliant bond and actually what you've just demonstrated is that you can have an amazing um, bond with your baby with things not going quite to plan so I'm really happy that you shared that um, so what I wanted to talk to you about with, uh, in relation to your story is you spoke, you, you shared the story and it, I was visualizing a real kind of active labor, um, especially at home, you were changing positions on all fours. And then you spoke about how you kind of lost the hypnobirthing and you found your voice and, and you said mm. everything went out of the window. And this is something that I speak about a lot. And I, and I share this with my clients. I say, you know, here are the tools, here are the techniques. But I'm telling you right now that they're going to go out of the window at a certain point mm. in your labor. You know, you, you're not going to be able to breathe through the contractions. And that is where you need to go in and find that in inner strength. And it's almost like I say, you know, I can't quite help you with that. And I give them that that hard hitting message, because what I think can be quite dangerous is when, you know, you think that you've got these tools and you can breathe and and then the intensity takes over and shakes you where you've been kind of led to believe that you can breathe out your baby and maybe even have a pain-free birth. And it's that intensity that takes over, which then leads to a loss of confidence. So you Mm. you said as well, it's almost good to expect to lose control, to be scared and to not be able to breathe through. So I Mm want to know, how did you get the strength to get over that period of, you know, everything going out the window? I think the most important Thing that I really took from hypnobirthing was the message that I trust my body and also I trust that my baby is safe because I think once you start being confronted by those really big kind of scary feelings um, those intense feelings as you said um, when you're at that point in your labor and you essentially kind of you do lose control a bit in that you know your body absolutely takes over um you know you can't you can't resist what's happening you know you have to absolutely just let it let it take over you it's really easy to see that as um you know to to be kind of afraid of that loss of control and to feel like 
oh my god I don't know what's happening I don't know what's going to happen next um and kind of spin out I guess um but what I really really kept thinking or what was really important for me was this idea that I trust my body and not just to kind of say it but to really really believe it and I think that you know if I were to give anyone um sort of any advice um on on their labor is to really get to a place where you believe that message and that is what is going to help you to stay anchored um let whatever is happening happen um and know that everything is safe you know you're safe your baby's safe um you know obviously unless your body your body is telling you otherwise but to really go with your intuition um and a way to do that I think is to during your pregnancy or you know whenever is to just try and open up a dialogue with your body um so get used to asking your body something and really listening to the answer and I think that can be you know you can do that in all sorts of different ways so um you know it might be through doing yoga or meditation or it might even just be you know asking yourself once a day you know how am I really feeling and just really listening to the answer because what you're doing is you're creating that dialogue with your body and where you're saying like I am listening to you um and that's only going to get stronger and stronger and I think that's what you really need during labor that's such a lovely message and uh one that I totally agree with because I think that birth is is you know very instinctive and and you do need to use that intuition and you can build that relationship with your body and open the dialogue during pregnancy because especially pregnancy is when your body communicates you know it's really mm. kind of communicative it says I'm tired I'm hungry you know and it's and, and those messages are really strong so it's lovely that you've just said you know build that relationship with your with your body during pregnancy so you can really tune in during labor and birth thank you so much for coming on that was um, a brilliant uh-huh. story and I, I'm sure it's going to be so inspiring for others so thank you so much Thanks so much for having me. It's Yeah, it's been lovely to, as you say, just go over everything while it's so fresh. It's very cathartic as well for me. Hi, guys. If you're still here, that is amazing. I'm just adding this announcement onto the end to let you guys know that my online hypnobirthing course, Birthbox, is now live. Go and check it out. I've put so much love into this. It's an immersive course that's split up into video and audio content, so really giving you a flexible learning experience. Go and check it out in the link below and have a lovely day.